this week on Bonus Barrel. I figured it'd be cool if my nipple was on the screen. Hey, 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 welcome to Bonus Barrel. What where's left? Why did he hate freedom? Why why is he not why does he hate the show? I think he said something like fuck the cartridge club and oh, well. and then he just he we haven't heard of him heard from him in days. I think that's that sounds right, right? Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean if left yeah. was here he could he could clarify, but he's not, so <laughs> So we're just gonna know. make shit up. Yeah. Maybe he, <laughs> Maybe he's gone to join other podcasts on Cartridge Club, like Retro Fandango. See that plug that I just I just threw there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. So, oh, what's new and cool? Uh, we Seb and I are still playing Persona Five. Yes. Still an amazing game. Still awesome. Uh, there'll be more said about that later on. A non-spoilerly, spoil, spoilerly, spoilerly, spoilery. Fuck stuff. Spoilery. <laughs> there will be a lacking of spoilers when we discuss uh, things about Persona 5 later on. Yeah. Um, there was some sort of uh, video presented via Nintendo directly to us this week. A Let's just call it a Nintendo Direct. Um, Seiji, I assume that you watched it? I did. Yeah, me too. I, we know Shelby doesn't like Nintendo, so she didn't watch it. But we could still discuss things from it, which we should do. So, let's switch to Nintendo Direct. <laughs> I've let the, the, uh, the uh, silence linger. Yeah, anyways, so bad transition aside. Um, what did you think of it, CG? It felt like Nintendo was kind of reaching too much sometimes by presenting, <gasps> uh, or rather featuring some games that, that were there, in my opinion anyway, mm-hmm. with the purpose of like filling out space, like Monopoly and... Oh, God. You know, when I saw Monopoly <laughs> pop up, I was like, oh, please be an eShop. And then I saw that it wasn't an eShop, so that means I have to buy Monopoly. It's depressing. If this is what they're showing now, if E3 is new stuff, that's great. If it's more of the same, that's bad. Uh, Fate Extella, I thought that was kind of cool. I might That'd be fun. Payday 2, that's a, like a weird, that's another one they announced. I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll have to buy it. I guess I can Payday give it a try. Two? Yeah. Is that a port? I yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. for sure. For sure, I, it's odd to see it on Nintendo, but so be it. From they Starbreeze are. Studios. What else they oh, do? Yeah. That? Is that um, Brothers. It's Brothers, Brothers. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was sound familiar. Uh, they're bringing Cinemora X to the eShop, uh, so you know that's actually a pretty fun game. But I wish it was a physical. Uh, there's actually they announced quite a bit of eShop stuff. There was Project Makuru. There was Cinemora X, Sonic Mania, Battle Chasers, Night War, Namco Museum, which I might actually buy because I, I like a lot of those games. I don't know. It was all right. There's a uh, some stuff on Pikmin, so yeah, it still exists. So you must be pretty pumped for that, Seiji. Well, I'm glad that it's not Pikmin, Pikmin Four. It's called Hey Pikmin. So hey, it's like a like it's a Pikmin spinoff. Hey Pikmin. So that's good. Yeah. So I'm still so that still gives me a lot of hope that Pikmin Four is still coming for the Switch, and that is not Hey Pikmin, which was one of my worries. Pikmin Four, Pikmin Switch. Uh, will have you switching between different Pikmin on the fly, which I'm pretty sure is how they all play. But they could call it Pikmin Switch, you know, and uh, market off of that. I think we should start, they should do the whole N64 thing and just start putting Switch after everything. Super Smash Bros. Switch. Mario uh, Switch. Pokemon Snap Switch. You switch (laughs) different lenses. Oh, Rob, I wanted to ask you about the Amiibo. What do you think about the Cloud Amiibo? Oh, I'm going to buy each one of all of those, and then I might buy an extra Cloud so I can open it. Both of them, right? I, so you're well, going to buy course. probably four. Well, no, I don't I don't like the Advent Children costume all that much, so I'll only buy the one of that. Oh, but the okay. the original Cloud is badass, so I will I will definitely buy two of those. Bayonetta, too, maybe, actually, as well, because those, those are some sweet-looking figures. I like Bayonetta. 
Oh, speaking of which, last week I didn't mention it because it would have been too late, but there was like a, a Bayonetta countdown. So I was getting my hopes up that it might have been a Switch thing or something. It was just a PC port of Bayonetta. So, you oh. know. <sighs> they, should, they should bring it to uh, the Switch too, so I can buy it again. Yeah. To me, the two biggest features of this Nintendo Direct, of course, ARMS and Splatoon oh, 2. ARMS looks so fun, man. I thought it was fun since like the first time I, I, I saw it. Yeah. But... They really put the effort on showing the characters and what the game is about and all the combinations possible and things like that. And that is really hard to convey until you actually play the game. But I felt mm -hmm. like really good watching uh, what they showed. It made me feel like I was playing the game. I really want it. Uh, for people who are my friends, know probably know. I've, I've <laughs> so I've been reading a, a manga called uh, Hajime no Ippo. It's a boxing manga, uh, and there's I read all the chapters, so I just read about 1,100 of them. And so when I saw so when I saw Arms, I was like, "Fuck, they're they're basically fighting in boxing." I want to play this so badly, and so my my hype meter was uh, inflated by my recent love of, of that, that comic. Hey, no, <laughs> it's a great it's a great manga that can be enjoyed by weebs and regular old Joes like me alike. I, I don't even like boxing it. Although I, I started to a little but bit, but you after. read eleven hundred chapters of. Oh, it's so manga. good though! I got a. I, I'm plugging plugging in Hajime Ippo. There's some anime you can watch of it if you want. Just read the manga. It's so good, man! Can't get over it. Ippo and the other, stores everywhere. And the other game, Splatoon Two. Yeah. From the beginning, I it wasn't to me super clear why it was Splatoon Two and not mm -hmm. Splatoon Deluxe. So I'm still not clear. I mean, I know they added a new mode, but. It just, I don't know, if there's not a new story to go with the story, because they had a story mode in Splatoon 1, you know, you may not care about it, I'm not saying you, but the, the royal you, you may not care about it, but but it, it was there, and it was fun. If there, if that's there again as a repeat, then I will be very disappointed. In the uh, test fire, it was just Splatoon, right? It yeah. felt like, like Splatoon, so I was Absolutely. still like, unclear. But now that they showed this new mode, which is basically co-op PvE, yeah, it's like survival mode or, right. or not. And zombies. they added new characters. This is tied to a new story. And they finished the the direct uh, this platoon two part anyway, saying that they're gonna show what's going on in the what is the current st status of the Octolinks versus Inklink story. So this is going to be a much larger game, not only gameplay wise but story wise. I hope so. I want it to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it had been Splatoon Deluxe, I still would have bought it. But I don't want them to name it something it's not. So hopefully you're right that it'll still it'll have uh, it'll earn that moniker. Shelby, you gonna buy a Switch soon? Oh my god, I'm so poor, dude. I can't. So you said you were gonna get me one. Three Switches? and you didn't. So you're a freaking liar. Four. How do you what know? What happened to this Kickstarter I, that you I, guys I, were supposed to make? <laughs> I have. I, I. You don't know. I don't have one here for you. I was just seeing if you bought one already. So when you but come back, you? we can give it to you. Oh. So if I buy a switch and then yeah. go back and then you have another switch and then I'll, I'll just, have two switches. I'll give it to someone else who needs it. Oh no no! One will be the away <laughs> switch that I play when I'm on away. The, go. the <laughs> other one will switch. be the one that stays home with me. But but they're both portable. You don't need to have it. No no. Switch. But no one. They'll be dedicated. You don't understand. Right right right. <laughs> they'll be dedicated. You know, to get people's hopes up, there was a an announcement of a or a leak, I should say, of a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, console bundle. Man, that's exciting. Except it's only going to Russia. So, oh. you know, Russia will get a sweet Mario Kart 8 bundle. Didn't they um, announce new Joy-Cons and stuff? They didn't announce new Joy-Cons, that's true. Yeah. 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 Are you going to start? Gonna I, should, I mean, I'm, I might. I kind of want to collect stuff for the Switch. So I, I kind of want to get the at least get the different color Joy-Cons. So I might. I might buy it yeah. and pick it up. I don't know. <sighs> oh, speaking of Switch, Nintendo has revealed that the Switch has sold... I hope you guys ready for it. Are you sitting down, Shelby? This doesn't include you because you didn't buy one. 906,000 in its 28 days on sale in North America. And Breath of the Wild sold 1.3 million copies across the Switch and the Wii U in the same window. But 925,000 units were sold for Nintendo Switch. So that doesn't make any... Where, it, where do those numbers add up? 925,000 units were sold for Nintendo Switch, but only 906,000 Switches were sold. Did people buy the Zelda Switch title, but not a Switch? Or well, maybe... there could also be people buying duplicate games, one to keep sealed and one... Oh, yeah, I guess. Like you guys do. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I didn't open my Wii U one, but... Yeah, I, I guess it could be just a bunch of really cool people who like to buy, not waste their money on buying games to look at. 
Yeah. Oh, and also, Nintendo revealed that they're discontinuing the NES Classic. Good, the good thing I have one. They're already kind of rare. If they're just stopping, that's it's gonna make them even a little more uh, wanted. So there you go, Shelby. You missed your chance on a on a classic too. You really just keep missing all your chances, Shelby. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to start like giving me money so I can buy all of these things, then I, I mean, maybe, that, I, maybe I will. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I got a couple more news things. So Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, you probably haven't heard of Dragon Quest, Shelby, but it, it's basically a popular oh, JRPG boy. series in Japan. We've also got them uh, here as Dragon Warrior and Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Kind of like an old school JRPG. Do you know it? You know what JRPGs are now because you've been playing Persona 5, so I guess you do understand what I mean by JRPG. So, anyways, <laughs> PS4 and the 3DS package together, side by side, in one box. They're selling it. That's cool. What a combo. <laughs> it's like Bonus Barrel. Like Sage's 3DS and then the PS4 in one box <laughs> together. Where's the hype at? That's cool. Guys, I think it's cool. Oh, I, I, I hope it comes over here so I can buy it. I saw the Dragon Quest Builders was something that I was looking at for a while because that looks pretty cool. I know. I, I, I want it as well. Yeah. But, but I'm waiting for it to be a bit cheaper. I, I don't like Minecraft. Oh, let, me, let me reiterate. I do like Minecraft. I don't like mm-hmm. empty games with no ends. But I know that, Minecraft, or that uh, Dragon Quest Builders actually has a story with it, with a yeah. proper ending. So I think I could enjoy that. Well, it's more like you kind of build, and then you beat that area, and then you have yeah. to go to another area and, like, build stuff again. Because I watched my friend play, um, he got the uh, import from Japan when it came out, mm-hmm. and he was live-streaming it on his PS4 for a little bit. So, it looks pretty cool, though. Yeah, it looks it looks cute and much... I mean, it doesn't take much to look better than Minecraft, so... <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to be owning Minecraft for the Switch when it comes out later this year, because it's going to be a physical edition. Thank you. But that will never get open. Full Switch run. I gotta do it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's important. Uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy is going to be released in August. Pretty pumped for that. And, you know, you guys, I guess none of you, have you played an Uncharted game, Shelby? A what? An Uncharted game before? No. You should, uh, check out, check them out tonight. I can lend you the collection if you want for PS4. It'd be cool. Pretty great. Um, all right. So I have one more thing of, of newsy news. And, uh, so Cop told me that for the Xbox... Oh boy! Uh, Xbox and Windows 10 systems, or online systems, they might be adding refunds uh, to, to the their digital one. Yeah, yeah, digital refunds, kind of like Steam. So yeah. you know, I think it was. I think I'm just going off the top of my head, but it was like uh, 14 days. Didn't play it for over two hours. You can get a refund. I think that's yeah. a good way of making um, digital games a little. Some of the advantages that physical games have kind of helps a little bit. Can't trade mm-hmm. them and stuff. I mean, still physical is better in that respect. But being able to return refund is cool. I mean. It it does bring into mind question the games that are really short that can be beat yeah. within a couple hours. It kind of sucks for them, and I think if anybody who who downloads a game beats it and enjoyed the game but managed to rush under two hours only to return it, it's kind of sad. Yeah, kind but of. If you if you return it, like do, do any of the achievements and stuff that you get on Steam, does that go with it too? Do Great you think? question. It should it should go with it. Mm-hmm. I I don't know though. That's a good point. People are just buying them just to, to inflate their uh, achievement. Xbox score, whatever the hell they use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all the news I, I have. Can you guys need to hear about anything cool? Anything on your mind lately about video game? Well, we... This is not game related, but this okay. is something that I oh, yeah, heard from you too, guys. So if you guys want to talk about movies a little bit. Oh! I saw. Yeah. That movie that you recommended, Kimi no Nawa. You saw it? Oh, yeah, we saw it on Wednesday. Your, your, your name <laughs> so is the English uh, title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's I talk saw, about it. Saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Did you like it? Oh, yeah, it's it's a really good movie. It's very artsy. Kind of uh, yeah, very um, much so. And I enjoy this kind of movie. I don't know how familiar are you guys with Japanese cinema. Not very. But I, I used to watch a lot of movies. Like movies, not like animated movies. I mean, mm-hmm. animated movies are also movies, but mm-hmm. I meant yeah. like non-animated movies. Mm-hmm. Apart from like Ghibli stuff that I like, I quite like the Japanese sensibility to storytelling. Mm-hmm. And this reminded me a lot of, of a lot of other Japanese movies that, I, that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of a, a magical realism uh, that is present in, in, in some of the movies 
that I've watched before, and <laughs> I I like how how Japanese cinema really like goes into town with with like uh, suffering and uh, <laughs> with the feeling of I don't know. It's just in North American culture and and, and storytelling and, and movies like Hollywood and stuff like that, like suffering and being not being able to express something or, or to be free is something mm-hmm. that must be uh, defeated as soon as possible, right? So you can get to the other side of it. But in Japanese movies, you see that, that those kind of scenes, they really drag and sometimes they don't get to a conclusion or a conclusion in the Western kind of way. This mm-hmm. movie sort of like got there, but it's still, in the end, there's, there, there's that, that moment where it ends and you feel like, if you have this Western sensibility, you feel like, oh, what's what's next, right? What, yeah. What's 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 going to happen? This is really Japanese, right? Yeah. It, it seems like Japanese people really like that that aspect of being like a little bit suppressed, a little bit uh, enjoying the 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 part of of not reaching a conclusion. I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it's a very open-ended movie. It's an ambiguous ending, right? Yeah. Um. So it is and it isn't. It's it's kind of. It's very Japanese. Uh, I don't know. It's I I quite enjoy it. I, my my wife didn't enjoy it as much. <laughs> okay. I, I want to hear about that in a second. So just so so this is a spoiler warning. There might be some minor spoilers, but we'll try not to spoil any any major thing. But if you look at like the plot summary, it sounds like a Freaky Friday movie, uh, which is a shitty movie. Well, I don't know. Maybe people like it. I didn't like it. But basically, it's a body swap, uh, movie. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not treated like, oh, here are the hijinks we get up to because we switch bodies. Uh, let's mm-hmm. work together to make sure we live our lives. It's nothing like that. It's two people who don't know each other's bodies and randomly getting switched into their bodies and they slowly lose their memories of it each time it happens. And and it's incredible. There's so many twists and turns in the movie um, you, where you think it's going to go in one direction and it suddenly goes in another. And it, it, there's like so many different layers of it. Uh, there's a bit of some, some time travel aspects to it. And fuck, it's so good. Uh, and beautiful looking, like you said. But you said Erica doesn't like it. Does she not like good things? <laughs> she didn't enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she liked it, <laughs> but she didn't enjoy it as much. Uh, she in general thought that it needed some trimming in some of those aspects. But uh, yeah, she she enjoyed it. But it's it's quite long. It's like two hours. Like I didn't want it to hours, end. Right? To be honest, I wanted to keep mm-hmm. going. I, I, and I was really worried the ending was going to be very sad, as opposed to open ended. I mean, you can definitely see a, a satisfying ending coming from the end you you kind of you can paint the picture in your head of what happens next and you could go down the pessimistic route if you wanted to but generally you get the impression that things are going to be okay but it's like it's bitter it's bittersweet too because you know um with that ending they don't necessarily they don't know everything that happened to them prior to the end of the film so then you're kind of stuck with I don't know. It's, it makes me sad to think that all those experiences and shit they had, they don't actually, you know, they can't recall or, or what have you. So I've, I felt a little sad about that. But at the same time, you know, they're they're together, it seems. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, nice music. I, I, I bought I, the soundtrack like immediately. Did you? <laughs> nice. Then right after the movie. Yeah. It had an anime opening. It <laughs> like, did. That like, was so cool, though. Why? It, didn't, it was a movie. It didn't need to have like a serialized it's anime opening. It's different, though. It's different. <laughs> that's why I like that that director just is always doing something that's kind of unexpected with his movies. I just assume that they're going to release it in anime form eventually. You know, like a Maybe, four, yeah. like an, a four episode OVA or something. That's what made me think about it. But I don't know. It's kind of funny. But I, I was all right with it. It didn't take me out of the film or anything. Mm-hmm. I thought it cheapened the movie a little bit. Oh shit! Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I can see I, your perspective. I, I mean, it's okay, but you're in the in the movie theater and you're not expecting like that that kind of format because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it it kind of interrupts the flow. I mean, it's right at the very beginning, so yeah. it's not it's not that big of a deal. But uh, if it's I don't know, it's just that the the purpose of the intro is justified in a TV format because you're you get a glimpse of what's going to happen like in in weeks right or, or mm-hmm. months of, of watching this this series i mean mm-hmm. if you're watching in the traditional sense which is you know weekly basis or whatever but in a movie you're gonna get it right you're gonna get it at the end i mean it, it's one package so mm-hmm. the 
that sort of intro was, I think, unnecessary. But I guess they were having fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I took it as a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. I would like to pitch a 90s-style 2D platformer of this game, starting now. So you have uh, you, you, you play through both characters, uh, and you start in a side-scrolling stage. And at any point in time, you can hit the R trigger to switch to the other character. And then the things you do with character P will affect what happens with character A. Uh, so then you're going through the stages and you're opening doors uh, because of the different the differences in time. And you fight enemies like, uh, I don't know, like ghosts and stuff that exist in the uh, metaphysical plane and ribbons and stuff. And then you get in a Yeah, you get, you get a bot. The first boss fight is like a ribbon monster. Uh, and the final boss in the game is a meteor. <laughs> it's half of a, half of a comment. <laughs> Sorry, a comment. Uh, yep. So you have to battle it. And uh, yes, you're switching between bodies and, and you're getting power ups and stuff. And you're able to. Maybe you could. Maybe eventually you can shift your consciousness into multiple people and all the friends in the supporting cast are also playable characters and mm -hmm. enemies. You have to fight the father. Uh, he's like the sub boss before the comment. You have to defeat him. The first, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the father's plus mayor, uh, and also there's some social elements. You go to school in between levels, and you have to answer test questions, and you have a job. Yeah, and you have a job if you're playing on, on his track, and so you know different stages, and like yeah. uh, there's one stage where there's a, a tram coming, and, and player A will get hit, but if you go back with player B, uh, she'll be able to uh, change the flow of time a little bit so that the comment or the uh, bus doesn't hit the main character or the sorry character A. I'll stop be sexist here. Just because he's a man doesn't mean he's the main character, Shelby. Um, so oh my God. yeah. Uh, anyways, I think that'd be a great game, and definitely would I would definitely play it. Yep. <laughs> coming coming out in 1994. Please look forward to it. Anyways, good game. What would you? How would you damage the film, Shelby? Out of uh, out of um, out of uh, film reels, it has three film reels. How much would you tear off? Uh I wouldn't tear any off. I wouldn't either. It was like one of the the better movies I've seen in a, a while, actually. So yeah, I, so that's yeah. one full film reel from her. I yep. will also not tear any of the film reel off, so that will be one full film reel from me as well. Seiji, would you tear any film reel off? You can tear up the four parts of it. Okay, so now that you mention it, I have I just watched that, so I haven't really like thought really deeply about it. I you felt really go good watching. I, I felt really good watching the movie mm -hmm. i thought there was a lot of callbacks which i really really like i think everything comes to not to that type of of, of western type of conclusion but in a, a conclusion in the sense that everything that was started in the movie kind of like was recalled or was referenced again mm -hmm. in the movie yeah um so that that part i really enjoy i, I enjoyed how um the movie didn't didn't try to explain too much of it yeah mm -hmm. Just is a thing that the the plot device ha just happens. There's a, they they lightly touch on some magic mumbo jumbo, but really that's the only way you could rationally explain this movie, and it makes sense in its own universe. You know, magic done it. I can think immediately of anything that I disliked about the movie, so I couldn't say I could damage this movie. So mm -hmm. no damage. There we go. Like my my jerk reaction. All right, no damage. What a great <laughs> good. Oh, I was going to say, um, I'm going to see the dub too, so I'm excited to see what they cut out and like how how close they're going to stay to to the sub, like what we read and stuff. It's going to mm -hmm. be interesting. That's going to be interesting. But yeah, and if like, just as like a general thing, like if you, if anyone listening likes these types of movies and wants them to keep coming back to theaters, just go see them a lot or just buy tickets or whatever, because if the more that they... Uh, see that um, like active interest in these types of movies the more often they're going to bring them over hopefully I hope so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty pretty excited for what's to come too because Funimation uh, in general when they distribute stuff in, in theaters usually it's just in the big cities like Vancouver and, and Toronto and stuff but getting it in where we got it where we live um, was a big surprise so I'm Absolutely. glad we got to see it, and I'm glad it's coming over both in subbed and dubbed format. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll reach a, a different audience with the uh, dub, which is good. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the most powerful vote is the vote with your money. So yeah. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I'm so excited. Up next, topic.
topic is basically just uh, pick a video game music composer and talk about some tracks that they've done. Oh yeah. Which I thought was going to be something that we hadn't done yet, and then Left had to go bust we, my bubble we and be like, didn't... girl, we talked about music already. We talked about music, but we didn't do anything on composers. We had a couple mm-hmm. episodes of, of developers specifically, which are, are, are fun. We don't do those enough. Uh, but we never done like a composer specific one. And honestly, you can't run out of music episodes. Mm-hmm. You could do it on a whole podcast, which does exist, <laughs> of video game music. Ooh. Yeah, so go ahead and, and you're justified. Fuck Lef. He's not even here. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, can't defend himself. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> people who listen to the show for at least one week know I've been playing a lot of Persona. So I chose the composer of the Persona series, Soji Meguro. So he was born. I get some info on him because I, I like to inform people about this stuff. Uh, yeah, born on June 4th, 1971. So he's, he's pretty old, you know. Uh, he's a composer, a guitarist, and a director who works for Atlas. He joined Atlas in 1995. Uh, Shelby wasn't even born at that point. So here are some fun tidbits. Uh, as a child, he didn't have interest in popular music, which I thought was kind of funny given that the influences in a lot of the Persona games... Uh, he liked the classical in junior high and then became interested in jazz. Uh, he sent a demo tape to Atlas after attending two interviews. And his first project was Revelations Persona, this is the first Persona, for the PS1. And he composed 16 tracks, including one that became a staple of the series, which is the Aria of the Soul, which is usually used in the Velvet Room in the Persona series. Uh, his first lead composer role was on Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, 2003, and I guess in this game he gave it a more orchestral infusion sound. And then in 2005, changing things up a bit, he worked on titles such as Trauma Center, Under the Knife, Devil Ooh. Summoner, uh, and Trauma Center, Second Opinion. So I got a, a small like sampling of his works. Um, so like I said, he worked on all the Persona games, but uh, he worked on Devil Summoner, Soul Hackers, a game called Maken X. Makan Shao, Demon Sword, uh, Digital Devil series, and he worked on quite a bit of stuff. So I'm going to talk about a few tracks from just the Persona series, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, so I'm going to start with 4 because it's my favorite. Uh, and so Persona 4, I, I really, I got into Persona late, in late, late, like it's been around for a long time. And I kind of dismissed Persona 4 as being some sort of weeby, uh, super Japanese game that I, I wouldn't like, which is ironic because, of course, I do like those games. Uh, I just looked at it and I, th- I thought, that's not Final Fantasy. And so I, I, just, <laughs> I dismissed it when it came out. Uh, of course, I feel like this is like deja vu. And it might have been during the CC100 where you mentioned it, where there were some games that you had said, oh, this isn't Final Fantasy VII, so I'm not going to play it. And then you never played it. And then when you did play it, it was awesome. Yeah, I have, I've changed a lot as a, as a, as a <laughs> gamer in the, like, the last, say, six years. Uh, before, mm-hmm. before then, it was almost exclusively platformers, JR and JRPGs, and a little bit of, of uh, a little bit of retro games, of course. And mm-hmm. then over time, I started trying out first-person shooters and uh, basically all the genres. And I've come to like pretty much everything. I don't really have any any sort of preference anymore. I kind of like everything minus sports and simulator games, and I guess usually open-world games that never end. Um, so yeah, so eventually I actually got this for Christmas. It was a joint gift between to me and Megan, and then it became mine because Megan gave it to me. Uh, so I got Persona 4 Golden for the Vita, and then I was like, "Well, obviously I'm gonna play it," because at that point in time I didn't have like a thousand games waiting to be played. So I played through it and I, I got hooked. I didn't expect to get hooked, but I did because the game is great. The gameplay is solid. I love the social elements. I love every every day you get to choose a new thing to do. So, anyways. Not going too much into Persona 4. But one thing that stood up to me while playing it was the soundtrack. And this is a soundtrack that I still listen to, uh, you know, at least once a month. Maybe more, maybe less. Um, sometimes at Dodgeball. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I have a Dodgeball <laughs> playlist and sometimes it shows up on there as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love Persona 4 and I love the music. And uh, one of the one of the, the first track I have to talk about is Reach Out to the Truth, which is the normal battle theme in Persona 4. I was looking into it, and there are three versions of it found in the original soundtrack, and they all play at different moments in the game. So the normal version is played in random battles on any dungeon in Persona 4. 
Uh, in Persona 4 Golden, however, it's only played when the player achieves a player advantage. But it's not the normal battle theme in that game, which I'll talk about later because it's a different track, and I will mention that further later on. So the first battle version is played on the very first battle of the game, as well as against sub-bosses. And then there's also the instrumental version is played on the attract mode video. And the difference between the normal battle and the first battle version is the intro. The first battle one starts on the second verse. Uh, the song was also remixed officially by Atlas, and then once again in Persona 4 Arena. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I love the reason I love the track is just because it's, it's so upbeat and it, it gets me pumped and it's a great battle theme. Uh, most of the stuff of the tracks I'll talk about all include vocals, which is not super common in games. Usually it's instrumental tracks for the majority of, of the soundtracks, but most of his stuff from Persona, at least Persona 4 and 5, and, and, and probably in Persona 3 as well, is a lot of them have vocals, which can get distracting in games, but I don't find that they do in these, and I, I find them very easy to listen to. So, you know, this... This, I played for Persona 4 Golden first, so obviously the um, that wasn't the first battle theme I heard, so I, I got more attached to this after I started getting into the, the whole series. So the next track is the song Your Affection, which is played during the clear sunny days. It's also Yosuke's main soundtrack in Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Now, I... So, Persona 4 Dancing All Night is... I think I mentioned it's a rhythm game based off Persona. And I, when I first saw the trailer, I thought it would be fucking stupid. So I thought I was going to hate the game, but I knew I liked the music. The gameplay wound up being stellar. The game is, is a blast to play. I actually took it out again today to play it. And uh, of course the music is, is tracked from Persona and also remix versions. So I knew I was going to like it anyways. So Your Affection is just this poppy, lighthearted, upbeat music um, that I, I just, it's really easy to listen to. It's not distracting. So when you're in the game and you're running around the city, it's just, and it's because it's associated with clear sunny days, it's kind of, it reflects the song. It's bright, it's happy. Right on. So the next one. And I got a couple more. It's time to make history. This is the main battle theme in Persona 4 Gold. So as I mentioned earlier, Reach Out to the Truth was the main battle theme uh, that played by default uh, in Persona 4. But when they brought the port over, they made a new track and kind of replaced that with uh, this one. I was talking about my friend Jordan, friend of the show Jordan, she prefers, she, she played the first Persona of, on uh, Persona 4 on PS2, so she actually is more attached to Reach Out to the Truth, and I find myself more attached to this song, and it's likely because of who, because of our order of playing the games. Uh, yeah, so it's the second track, second track of the OST, and it's composed and arranged by, of course, this gentleman mentioned, with lyrics by Benjamin Franklin. Uh, <laughs> so I, so this name popped up a few times. Uh, just to finish, it was performed by uh, Shihoko Kirata, and the final version of the song serves as an instant kill song in Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. An extended version is found in Persona 4 Dancing All Night. So Benjamin Franklin pops up a bunch, and he, he pops up more in, in Persona 5. And, I mean, I'm not great with uh, American history. I think he's American. American slash British. Someone help me out here. American history. I don't, I don't fucking... Benjamin I don't, Franklin. Yeah, yeah, right. Of course. Of course. Ha ha ha. Anyways, that's not the same guy. <laughs> but I, I was like, for a split second... Really? For a split second, I was like, wait, did they sample some, some of his lines and put it into the song? Uh, but no, it's just some dude. Uh, I don't know if that's his real name or if it's just his cover name, but he's a guy. Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> I mean, other people can have that name. It's okay. 
Um, so you think it was like the actual like Ben? Well, like, no, ben no. I thought from, maybe, like, maybe he had like some oh. letters or something, and I, it kind of, okay. I wasn't thinking of the, the lyrics at the time. I just saw the name. I was like, wait a second, that doesn't add up. And then I was like, so, so, maybe, like, so I thought maybe he sampled it. Maybe he went back. Grant. Some fucking three hundred year old dude from like a. <laughs> It could happen. Just doing persona music. Yeah, now. it's like somebody's trying to be deep, and they just throw in some yeah. like, "War is not a real." I don't know. It's not some like I listen to music. Uh, Anime Gucci, which is a band that does chip music, they have like sometimes clips from some philosopher dude in the middle of their song. I don't know why it's there. I mm-hmm. thought maybe that's what it was, and I was just missing something. Uh, and as people can now hear and laugh at, because music will be playing during this, you can very much tell if the lyrics do not add up. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. But no, I, I want it to be actual Ben Franklin. I want it to be more. Ben that's, Franklin too. The... Just imagine he should be a skin in, in Dancing All Night. He should be able to play yeah. as Benjamin Franklin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways, it, I like this for the same reason I like Roots of the Truth. It, it's, it's just an awesome battle theme. You get pumped. You want to fight things. You want to fight shadows. Change hearts. Well, that's the fifth one. Destroy serial killers. Because four is about serial killers. You might like it, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, because you like that shit, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm not being sarcastic this time. You actually like it. I know. It. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the last one is called Sky Full of Stars. This one is not a vocal track. It's just uh, kind of a soft music they added to Persona 4 Golden for the nighttime theme. say but i don't have any interesting information on it just i like it and i listen to it a lot and it's a good track Now, from Persona 3, I only chose one. It's called Want to Be Close. It's played when the protagonist is in, in, in school. And uh, just like the last one, I just think it sounds good. Uh, it's kind of, I, I guess I like poppy-ish sound of music in, in my uh, RPGs. So this mm-hmm. one is, again, this upbeat, calming kind of track, which fits the scenario. You're running around school and, you know, fucking hitting on teachers and shit. Um, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just oh, making, no. making a joke at the social links. I don't even know if you can date teachers in Persona 3. You should not be able to date teachers. Let that be a lesson to the people out there. Games yeah. don't reflect reality. You can't call your teacher in, in a maid outfit and, <laughs> and start a social link with them. A little bit of a teaser for those who are playing Persona. <laughs> Uh, and then so Persona 5, of course, has been top of my mind lately because it's the game I'm playing. And uh, so I've been listening to a lot of its soundtrack because it's great. And Shelby, you can actually comment on this thing. I think you've heard a bunch of the music. Uh, the battle, the main battle theme is the last surprise. It's um, the lyrics are also credited to Benjamin Franklin oh. and sung by Lin Ina, uh, Inaizumi. It's, there's an instrumental version with electric guitar played in the uh, main melody can be heard in the second Japanese trailer of Persona 5. So I've been really into this song lately. It's pretty great. Um, it's kind of, I don't know, I think there's like jazz influences in Persona 5. If that makes, I don't like jazz music in general, but I, I do like the combination of what's going with pop and upbeat music with the jazz elements into it. So I think it has a pretty unique soundtrack. And I didn't think I'd like it that much when I first heard the trailer. I was like, okay, this is all right. But it's it's grown on me, man. It's great. And this battle theme is awesome. It gets you pumped. Mm-hmm. And is that the one that plays with, you know, that Mo video? 
Yes, it is. Yeah. Actually, I think I have that in here as a, as a note. People who've played Persona 5 or at least know about it, look up Simpsons Mo Persona 5 and enjoy the, the next great 14 seconds of your life. You should link it in the episode. You should. It's fucking... In the description. <laughs> it's... It was... I lost... When I, a friend linked it to me and I, I couldn't stop laughing at it. It was... I think I watched it like a dozen times. It was so fucking funny. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's the main battle theme. There's a part. It's kind of this is kind of a dumb thing, but you know it's kind of funny. So when playing in these battles, the chorus doesn't come in until like I don't know a minute, uh, and I tend to finish the battles quite quickly. So, but there's a point where if you knock all the enemies down, you you get to basically hold them up, and you're like you surround mm -hmm. them with your guns out, and uh, you can then choose to do an, an all attack so everybody attacks, and the music comes back. So, so when you do the hold up, the music changes, and then I like I sometimes like to sync it to the chorus when I'm doing the, the Omega attacks because it looks cool <laughs> and I picked up with the music. So whenever so that would happen, wait. sometimes, yeah, I would sometimes because <laughs> yeah. it was cool. I liked it. And yeah, so that was pretty fun. So there's like a shit ton of other tracks and I'm gonna stop here, but awesome stuff. Great guy, great, great composer, probably a good, good person, probably adopts animals and, and has, has them live long, healthy lives. There, there you go. I think the, la uh, the last part, by the way, is not based on anything, but I, I'm assuming he probably does. <laughs> All right, that's it for me. I've been really overt about my fanatism for Daisuke Amaya. Yes. Or, or rather his works uh, with Cave Story and Carol Blaster. And also we actually did a review on, on Ika-chan too. <laughs> we did. Ah, The reason I picked Daisuke Amaya or Pixel, as also known as, is because this guy does everything in his games. And music is really important in his works because that's how he started doing his projects. He wanted to do Cave Story, but he had problems with the audio formats and stuff like that. Actually, I'm going to read a little bit of, a, of an excerpt from the PX Tone manual, which PX Tone is a freeware software that he did actually, and that's where he writes his music. So I'm going to read a little blurb from the, um, is the foreword for the PX Tone manual. And it says, it was the desire to create my own game that motivated me to teach myself programming. When I started out as a game developer, the only audio formats available to me were MIDI and WAVE. WAVE files were massive in size and burdensome to distribute online. The sound quality of MIDI could vary and was incompatible with simple sound waves like sine waves and square waves. This was what compelled me to build my own sound editor for Windows to function under any circumstances and produce files small enough to distribute online. And he goes and say, and, and say some other stuff. But it's very interesting because this is a programmer's approach to, to problems, right? The thing with, with audio recordings is that it's a file that is played very much like video, right? It just gets played. It's, it's information that already exists. He generates instructions so that the music is actually like generated. Uh, he found a really interesting way to make music a little bit more portable in the sense of, of what he needed. Uh, smaller files, more exact. To his specification so it's to me I, I just love these kinds of stories because um, it's just a guy there and he wanted to make a game he found problems he found a solution and and the solutions are out there right it's not it's not like he used this uh, big commercial tools that might be unavailable to anyone like hey if you have enough you know if you put enough effort into something, you can you can achieve it. And there's there's a million ways to do anything because when we try to do stuff, when we try to make a game, we go and you know you download Unity or you download Game Maker or whatever, and that's that's fine. But that's not the only way. There's not one way to make a game. There's not one way to make music either. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I just find it so so admirable. No, it's awesome. And, and the next thing. Yeah, I, I actually run PX Stone and it looks like, like Cave Story. It has like a pixelated art and stuff. <laughs> so it, it looks so, so cool. You I, should I make, really want to learn. You should make some tunes. 
make some tunes yeah, for the episode. So during my research for for this topic, yeah, I was actually listening to his talk on GDC. Awesome. He was talking about the story, the story of Cave Story. That's how it's called, I think, the the GDC talk. And when he talks about sound and background music, he he's giving like tips to the other developers, and he's saying stuff about sound that for an indie developer, sound should be very very important because some aspects of giving the right atmosphere to game scenes uh, can be better achieved with sound and also it's kind of cheaper than generated uh, the visual elements to convey the same kind of information like for example if you have a, a door that is very heavy could be somewhat convoluted to convey that in a, in a purely visual way but if you add a sound effect or a couple of sound effects you could convey that that, that, that idea so it's very interesting his approach to sound because he uses it to really complement what is going on in the game in the gameplay. So that to me was really really interesting. And when he when he touches on on the role of background music in in games, he he shows or he uh, describes three di distinct functions. The first one is is scene portrayal, which is used to determine the atmosphere of the scene. And that is really, really true because when we think about our favorite favorite game scenes, the, the, the sound or the music or sometimes even the absence of, of it really gives that game scene a feeling, right? So, so you are tra immediately transported into some place of your spectrum of emotions that uh, it, it creates a really strong link with what is happening or what is going to happen just with music in music in video games is, is really powerful in that way and so the next role that he says is that it conveys a game's status so that so that the the music that you're hearing when you're playing the game it in instantly um, expresses the meaning of a scene mm -hmm. so that you hear that music and you know that this is bad this is good you should be you know, cheery you should be jolly you should you should be more wary of what is going to happen so you know that that meaning of of the scene not just the the atmosphere but also what it means in terms of, of the larger scheme of things i i feel like uh he, he, his words are so personal because at some point he says or or rather the translator says because he's speaking in japanese that sound speaks to the person's heart and and that is really true you know it is very emotional right Mm -hmm. um, and the third role of, of background music that he mentions in his GTC talk is to imprint an effect on the player. And he says that players fall in love with, with scenes when they're hearing, hearing that music again and again and again as they're playing, and it has an everlasting effect on the player's experience. So you, you develop this emotional uh, relationship with, with games, and music is something that, that becomes some sort of a link uh, of the game and, and your memories even when you're outside of the game so that's pretty cool because it's really hard to to uh, to remember gameplay right to describe it but uh, or to recall it rather but uh, music brings that back to the player even when you're not playing so those those are the three functions of background music and I, I don't know which I was listening to it and I was actually you know also like looking at my favorite tracks from Cave Story and Carol Blaster and I was thinking this guy is in Really, this could apply to to most good developers, right? They're gonna use music in that sense. But you guys have experience that uh, sometimes music is something that happens even outside of studios, or that has been my experience. Yeah, where, absolutely. Uh, like the music guy is not <laughs> inside, right? So I I don't think that that's the way it should be, but uh, that's the way it, it usually is. So having those those kinds of thoughts and developing everything in that holistic way really makes a lot of sense. So anyway. Uh, enough with that. So, <laughs> Cave Story, my favorite tracks. I like all the the, the soundtrack for Cave Story. I think it is very effective. And now that I've listened to that GTC talk and 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 listening how how thoughtful he was by, uh, by creating everything in the in the game, not just the music, you know, everything about it. Um, it makes me, you know, think more deeply about all of these tracks. But just to make it really, really brief, I want to mention two tracks. And again, I, it, it's me putting that that seed into people's 
parts to play this game because I'm pretty sure that if you played the game, you didn't experience like all of it, like really, really good stuff. And I think, uh, and yeah, yeah, most games they have you know different endings and different parts of the games that we usually experience. But in this game, in particular, because the end is so small, it's, it's so so rich in experience. Uh, I want to mention Last Cave. It's kind of slow in the beginning and it's more about exploration and it's more about uh, reading of the story, getting accustomed to the physics of the game. So it's kind of slow. It has a slow pace. But when you get, when you trigger certain events in the game, you, you get access to, to different parts of it that are really hardcore, really difficult and it's, and it's completely oriented to action and to the kind of difficulty that is that is based on, on pattern recognition and getting every step uh, really precisely, which is also wonderful. That's why I, I love this game, is because it offers you so much. And as you progress into the game and you graduate from its own concepts, it puts more challenges out there for you. Other track that I want to mention is uh, the one from the Hell Run or the Welcome to Hell part of the game. Which is, <laughs> uh, th this part of the game is the last part of the game and is super difficult, but it's so so satisfying. And it's really an upbeat tune. It really puts you in there. When I'm listening to it, I'm kind of a little bit stressed out, but also excited. It's, it's simpler in nature, but it's just uh, it's brilliantly executed. I know Rob that you like uh, the my blaster. Yeah, it's awesome. Track. I like all I like all the tracks for the most part, but it's, yeah. Triggers the right emotions, you know, to, to like run and gun. Shelby, you like music in games? I do. Tell us I about like some. Music in games. I will. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I picked um, before going into this. I'm just. I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna pick the dude who does the music for the Ace Attorney series. 
and holy shit, there are a lot of composers. <laughs> um, and I didn't know this before, but the first two games, uh, just uh, Ace Attorney Phoenix Wright and um, Justice for All, were done by two different composers. So for the first couple, I want to just let me get my notes out. We have somebody named uh, Masakazu Sugimori, uh, and he actually did uh, the voice for one of the prosecutors in the first games, uh, Von Karma. Uh, like the Japanese voice, which um, there's no like real voice acting in the games. It's just all like uh, what you would hear for objection and, and stuff. Uh, and Nato Tanaka, who has um, uh, I guess I don't know what we call that, like a an alias, I guess, uh, as uh, Akami Kimura, uh, who did a lot of work like on the on the Mega Man series, I guess, like X the Mega Man X games. Oh, nice. Uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. That's yeah. Cool. Um. Anyway, so what I found interesting, because I know you guys haven't played all of the series, I know Rob, you're currently kind of like working your way through it yeah. right now, um, but considering like how much I've listened to uh, the, the soundtracks for all the games in general, like I was really impressed at how uh, consistent they were able to make the music sound uh, from game one all the way to uh, Spirit of Justice, which is out now. I found the music in Justice for All, anyway, was a bit different uh, than the rest of them. I suppose, Rob, you've only played the first two, so you don't have much to compare it to, but, um, anyway. Uh, let's go on to the, to the next guy. Oh, and Seiji, you know how you said that uh, the Apollo Justice one uh, sounded a lot like um, Street Fighter music? Uh, well, <laughs> I actually, even though the, the main composer that I want to talk about, uh, Noriyuki Iwad, I think um, he has credits on Apollo Justice, and I thought, or I just kind of assumed he was the composer, but he had actually done um, like some sound effect stuff. And then the actual composers for Apollo Justice are uh, two composers who worked on uh, all of the Street Fighter Three stuff and some street. Yeah, so <laughs> there you go. Seiji's got good ears. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So the uh, the main composer I wanted to. He's the the composer who did all the music for Trials and Tribulations Onward, with the exception of uh, Apollo Justice, which he just has some credit for. But yeah, so Noriyuki Iwadere. There's not a lot on him. <laughs> I was trying to look for like interview stuff and blah, blah, blah. I can't find a whole lot, but I do have um, a couple series that he worked on that, even though I haven't played them, but I know you guys will probably recognize them, but um, the Lunar series. Oh, I love the Lunar series. Yeah, and Grandia. The well, I also series. like that series too. He, <laughs> so it's the main composer. Really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. I love the soundtrack for uh, Lunar One and Two a lot. Yeah. I, and I still listen to those pretty regularly too. I didn't know he. I never. I, I'm bad for paying attention to the names of things, mm -hmm. so I never know who actually uh, composes. Which is why I like episodes like this. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Know. Uh, also, Langrisser, that series. I've heard of it, but yeah. I've not played it. Uh, he does a lot of stuff for that, too. But awesome. And it seems like everybody over like at Capcom just kind of all has... Like, they all have, I don't know, parts in like every game ever. Because <laughs> uh, he also did some music uh, for Kid Icarus Uprising. Oh, cool. With a bunch of other dudes, yeah. So, just a quick look at like his uh, video game music page and stuff will... There's so much, so many things there to, to look at, and um, he had actually said that uh, one of his dreams is to have uh, orchestral arrangements of his music done. So stuff that you would see like, uh, you know, video games live yeah. when they tour and they do like different things and stuff, uh, just something like that. But nobody has, or at least at that point, nobody had done it. So he started to do it himself. So he's like making his own dreams come true. That's which is awesome. Kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so I guess I'll just talk about, like, the... Oh, I, I didn't get as much on this dude as, as I thought I would. Um, just because, like, all the games and shit that he's done, but you can find, like, barely anything about him. Just kind of sad, so... Um, anyway, um... What Seiju had mentioned earlier, like, certain tracks, like, kind of... You know, you should recognize, like, what kind of... Uh, I don't know, like what they're supposed to make you feel. Like, you know, oh, this track plays, something good is going to happen. This track plays, something bad is going to happen. This, you know, you just kind of recognize it immediately. It's, it's almost like conditioning, I find. Um, but in the Ace Attorney series, uh, 
usually each game will have like their examination themes, which is when you cross-examine a witness. And there's usually like three stages to that music, which is really awesome. And it usually starts out really calm, uh, just like, you know, you're cross-examining for the first time, asking like really basic questions and stuff. Uh, and then when you start to kind of tear their statements apart and the music gets more progressive and more intense, and then you know that this witness eventually uh, is going to fall apart. Um, and each game has, each Phoenix Wright game has these themes in them. So your examination theme in the first game is going to be different than the one that's in uh, like Dual Destinies, for example. Right. Uh, and even though they all have that distinct sound to them, they all have... Also, those similarities that you know this is the cross-examination theme. So I thought that was cool. And you've also got the objection themes, which each uh, defense attorney has one. So Phoenix has one. But that's And that's what I, f- I found when I was playing through these games, that I was like, what is the next objection theme going to sound like? You know? Yeah. Uh, so I was really excited for when Spirit of, or Spirit of Justice was coming out because the music in Dual Destinies was absolutely phenomenal. And I thought, how the hell are they going to top that? So a couple of tracks I have from uh, Dual Destinies that I wanted to mention is uh, basically like a remaster of Phoenix's objection theme from the third game, uh, Trials and Tribulations. The format is you'll object to something in the game. Yeah. And then that music will play. And then usually how it is is that the prosecution will present something to you and then you think, oh man, I got this, like I'm going to tear this fucker apart. <laughs> and then um, because you're already on this like line of investigation, so then usually the song for Pursuit will start playing. So I find that format kind of interesting because they always play like almost every time one after the other after you uncover like a new story bit and then you explore that story bit even further. And I always find that kind of interesting. But yeah, so each game usually will have objection music and pursuit music. And then each character kind of has their own theme too. So with like Maya and Mia Faye, Mm -hmm. uh, they have their turnabout sisters and you know every time that song plays, it's like, oh, like it's their theme. But one of the ones that stood out to me was in the third game, uh, the prosecution. I, I don't want to butcher his name because everybody pronounces it differently. Literally everyone I've known who's played the game has not given me a similar pronunciation at all. Uh, but his name, I, I say Godot. Some people call him Godot. I don't know if that's right. Um, Godot? Really? <laughs> yeah, so okay, it's there's like, no way it's Godot. I know. I think it's Godot because it sounds like, because his thing, his theme is kind of like coffee. Because the the name of this track is called The Fragrance of Dark Coffee. And to me, when I think of coffee, I think of like France and like Italy and just very like European. So to me, Godot makes sense. If I had to guess, I would I would think it's Gatto. But that's just. Oh, yeah. Like, Either way, like it's at least like it's just not that Godot, kind of, though. I can the tell you Godot. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, his stood out uh, just because it's a bit more chill. Right. And usually everyone else's is very like, I don't know if, if you remember what Miles uh, Edgeworth's theme sounded like, but his is very like, uh, actually I think Francisca von Karma, her theme is the same, but it's a bit more like, I don't want to say cheery because you know how she is. She's a but. great character. I love, <laughs> uh, I love, that's my favorite character in the whole series. Yeah. Um, his is more like uh, mysterious because like, at least with the other prosecutors, you kind of have some bit of story on them when you first face off with them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. For him, you don't figure it out uh, until the end, and his music kind of uh, conveys that, which I thought was really interesting. And Godot's serious business. <laughs> <laughs> Godot. And then in Trials and Tribulations, uh, this last song that I want to mention is a... Is a Pursuit song and it's Pursuit Caught or Pressing Pursuit Caught. Uh, 
Phoenix Wright is so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm sad that you're so you're telling me that, and I've only played the first two Phoenix Wright games, and I love the music from the first game, but he didn't do any of those. Yeah. That's sad for me. No, but like it's that's what I mean. But when I say that, even though it was it was they were all done by different people, that they were somehow able to carry like that charm and just that similar sound through the rest of the games. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a lot of people, um, I remember, I can't remember which page or which forum I was on, but when Dual Destinies came out and I had played it like after, because Jordan let me borrow her DS to play it, because mm-hmm. I didn't have it on mine, and uh, lots of people were wondering why they hadn't remastered the first uh, objection theme for Phoenix. Uh, instead of the third game, because they're like, you know, that one seems a bit more nostalgic and stuff uh, than what was in the third game. Uh, but then after reading um, his, uh, like, his dream of wanting uh, orchestral versions of his music to come out, it makes sense why he remastered something from an older game for, uh, that he did instead of somebody else, or, or sorry, instead of what somebody else did, because... You know, his dream is to make his own orchestral versions of his songs. That's really cool. So, yeah. What a dream. I want to make yeah. orchestral versions of my art. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess that's it for us then. No left. Yeah. That's good, though, because he would have fucking probably just had like some Napoleon music or something. Um, I'm <laughs> left, and here's my music from Total War. Um, it has lyrics by Joan, Joan of Arc. And um, I actually remember you saying you liked the music. I actually did like the music a lot. (laughs) And my favorite composer is Napoleon. That's a good left impression. Hey guys, I don't like anything you like, but I love Total War and history. French word. And that's left. Sums up because he knows French, and I can't. I don't, so I couldn't do any mocking French. We should ask. We should ask him how to pronounce Godot. (laughs) I think you know how it's Godot. Yeah. Good old Godot. I, I, he sounds like he sounds like a Gobot. He, oh, you don't know what that is. Uh, Gobot's like a knockoff Transformers in the eighties. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Gobots. They're cheaper. So as a child, I actually had some Gobot toys, but I did not have any Transformers. Toys. If you guys feel bad for me, feel free to send me some money, and uh, I'll use it to buy Shelby a Switch. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, Cartridge Club. Dot org. It yeah, feels they, like we're supposed to damage sense. stuff. I know, right? Because we've been doing so many games lately. Yeah. Speaking of games, Cartridge Club is full of a community of, of people who all like games. And some are content creators. I can't remember P1 Spiel. You are, <laughs> if you like games and, and you and you like a good community and you uh, pay them a certain amount of money, you are a part of the Cartridge Club. Um, yeah, so Twitter... <laughs> yeah, anyways, I'm just rambling. Twitter, and thanks for listening. Uh, this is Rob. And Shelby. And Sagey. Beep, bloop. <laughs> <laughs>